0: Well, howdy ho neighbor, how we doing? Great to see you guys. We've been taking a little stroll through the neighborhood, in case you weren't with us, looking to see how we can be better neighbors. So it's great to see you. What does God want us to do? How are we supposed to be a good neighbor? Well. We are supposed to be a good neighbor means you love, know, and include your neighbor. What's the problem? Why don't we do that? Why didn't that happen? Well, far too many of us are on the wrong side of the fence. We're on the fence, we're hiding. We're not coming out to meet our neighbors, to include our neighbors, to know our neighbors. And God wants us to be great neighbors. It's great to be back with you. I was gone last weekend. I needed a neighbor last weekend, by the way. I was deer hunting. If you hate deer hunting, I'm so sorry. The deer did get a bite, so it was the deer one. It was was, was terrible. I was up in Illinois and... and, uh, had killed a, a large deer and was cleaning the deer and absolutely stabbed myself in the hand. About an hour later, it won't stop bleeding, trying to figure out what to do, so I, I've got to go find an emergency room in the middle of nowhere. I, te- I called Michelle, said, Michelle, don't freak out, but I'm heading to this town. I need you to find me a hospital in the town with an emergency room and text me the link. What happened? I'll tell you about it later, I'm gonna live, but uh, I I gotta go, get me hospital. So I'm driving by myself, lap full of blood. Have you ever been there? Very unpleasant, very unpleasant. I needed a neighbor, but there was no neighbor around. Well, it's great to be back with you. Did you guys guys happen to catch the message from Pastor Zach last weekend? That was an incredible word. It is the heart of God for us. And there is no question this series matters to Jesus. How do I know this series matters to Jesus? Because this series is how we do the second great commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. Number one, love God with a heart, mind, soul, strength, and body. And number two is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. So how do we do that? Anybody love Jesus at any of our campuses? Anybody following the Lord, all right? Then to do that, we want to obey command number one and command number two. So how do we do that? How do we pull that off? Well, I was thinking about that. One of the ways we do is by the golden rule, Matthew chapter 7, and everything, therefore, treat people the same way that you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus said, carry each other's burdens, and you will fulfill the law of Christ. So how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? We treat them like we want to be treated, now imagine you're in the age before cell phones. Some of us can remember that. Others, millennials, you don't know there was a world without cell phones. There was. There was a, there was a world that you had to actually stop and ask directions or use what it used to be called a map. And so, but, but, but if, if you've ever been on the side of the road, interstate at night, cars whizzing by at 95, just wishing somebody would stop and help you, nothing that you could do. Or maybe you, you, you've been hurt. I mean, you're, you're, you're actually, you're in pain. You need some help. Maybe you're lonely and there was nobody there. Imagine being one of the victims of the wildfires in California or Gallenberg. Can you imagine waking up to the sirens knowing that you have to get out? You run out your front door. It's dark. All you see is smoke all around you. You make your way to your car, you go to the end of the driveway and you have to make an incredible decision, will I go left or will I go right? One of those will take you to safety, the other will take you to the fire and there'll be no way out. Wouldn't it be cool if a neighbor would beat on your door an hour before then and say, hey, you gotta get out, there's a wildfire coming, you only have minutes, get in your car, go to the end of the driveway and go left and don't slow down. There's 60 knot winds, the fire is 2000 degrees and it is burning Hundreds of thousands of acres just in a matter of minutes. So, wouldn't it be good if you had a neighbor that would do that? What we're going to do in this series, Promisers, is we're going to be better neighbors in the name of Jesus. anybody anybody with some of that? Come on, y'all with some of that? We're going to do it. If you missed the last couple weeks, maybe you're online joining us. We're thrilled to have you. Maybe you're catching up, you were gone for Thanksgiving, we're thrilled that you're online, you chose a dial in, you picked an incredible message, by the way, to catch up on our podcast for the holidays, great to see you. By the way, do you remember what happened two weeks ago? Hard for the harvest, that is right. We always wait two weeks after to reveal because others that are out of town wanted to give, so we wait two weeks after the weekend, and so let's see, As we, if you're a guest, we have one sacrificial annual offering that we give every year. It's the weekend before the weekend before Thanksgiving. And so this year, what did we do in our miracle offering? Did we make half a million? Yes, we did. Did we have a million? Yes, we did. 300, 400, 1.5 million dollars. Amen. Thank you, guys, for your generosity. Thank you. I, it's incredible the stories I heard. People literally, they gave everything they had. It was unbelievable. Others, by the way, God spoke to you. had an opportunity. You didn't take that. You missed the blessing. And just, just let me tell you, you missed it. But But God is good to us. And so, by the way, welcome all of our campuses to the second week of Won't You Be My Neighbor, learning how to do the second great commandment. Now, now, when, when we're to love our neighbor, we can debate about who our neighbor is. There is one group of people that there is no debate about. And that means loving your neighbor does actually mean the people that live around you. Do y'all agree with that? So we put a little grid together. Now, I want to encourage you to write this down, not just the women, but the men as well. Because we know you leave it to your wives. Here's your house. Can you name the people that live in the surrounding eight houses? Could you just name the one on either side, two behind you and two in front of you? Probably not. By the way, I'm not talking about what you call them. Come on, dog lady down the street fat guy in the back. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I talk about what their actual names are, not the nicknames that you pick for them. Are you with me? At my house, this is John, this is, I mean, this is Kurt, this is the Nietzsche's, this is John and Linda. They've been there for a long time. This was Tracy and Lisa. They're the tra- uh, Tracy no longer lives there. Have two little girls, Have two boys. Their kids are gone. John and his wife go to Faith Promise. I mean, Kurt and his wife John and his wife attend the Mormon church and Lisa attends the Methodist church. And so do you know the people around you? So let's be real, come on, let's be raw and real. How can you love and be there for your neighbor if you don't even know their name? Are you, are you, are you you what? See, years ago, millennials, young adults, you're not gonna believe this. I'm gonna tell you some stuff, you're not gonna believe me, just trust me, I'm just gonna be real. Years ago, before there were automatic garage door openers, And 10,000 channels to binge watch Netflix. And 20 hours a day to sit on Facebook and social media. A generation ago, homes had these things that were called front porches. They wrapped around. Now, imagine a roof that juts out over your front door. See, there's no roof over your front door because you don't want anybody to come to your front door. So that big roof, that roof went at least across the front of your house. Remember, there was a swing on one side. Y'all remember? Two-seater, rocking chairs. Your neighbors came over in the evening, and you simply lemonade, and you had what they used to call conversation. Today, conversation looks like. Doesn't it? Come on. Now, here, now, to think with me. Christmas Spectacular is coming. It's a few weeks away. It's going to be incredible. I'm praying for 15,000 people. We're going to have people saved. Lives are going to be changed. It's going to be off the stinking chart. It's going to be be incredible. But here's my question. Do you know your neighbors well enough to go invite them? Or do you need a door knocker because you don't know them well enough to invite them, so you sneak over after they go to bed, (laughs) hang the door knocker on the door, and run back home? The reason that we use door knockers is because we do not know our neighbors. Now, there are others. One guy in on my prayer team, Ken Garner, a coach. He lives in a large neighborhood. He put door knockers on every door in the neighborhood. I'm not saying you got to know, if there's 200 homes, you're supposed to know everybody. I'm talking about just the ones that God put directly right around you. We got, we got invite cards at every campus this weekend. Now, Christmas Spectacular is gonna be incredible. Do y'all believe that? But here's the real truth. A good neighbor always trumps a good program. Loving your neighbor, being there for him, looking for an opportunity to share Jesus with your neighbor always, always does. But see, there's a problem. And the problem is this we're on the wrong side of the fence. We're 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 back here behind our garage door, behind our security. Behind our dog, behind everything, and we we don't know our neighbors. Listen, social media is fine, but social media is not a substitute for being light in your neighborhood. Are you with me? Putting it on Facebook is great, tweeting and Instagram and all that is good. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But there is no substitute for going and knocking on your neighbor's door and say, hey, you know, hey Sam, hey, Julie, how you guys doing? Hey, man, I just want to come by. we got an incredible opportunity. I know your kids love Christmas. We've got an incredible ministry this coming weekend in our church. I'd love you to be my guest at Christmas Spectacular. You're going to love it. Or do we not simply know him well enough for even an invite? See, if they promise one of our values, one of our burdens is this, that we tell them of him. People have been radically rescue, radically rescue others. So what we've got to do is we have to know our neighbors well enough to tell our neighbors about the life-changing love of Jesus. I, I was so blown away at the message, I was not, I was supposed to be gone until Monday this past weekend, but because it cut my hand and I wouldn't go sit in the hunt lodge by myself. I drove back home and I got here in time to, to catch one of the services this past weekend. And I was rocked to the core. There was an audible gasp in the room when Pastor Zach said, I have an incredible daughter. Her name is JL. She's almost five. And if JL was sitting next to you and she was cold or hungry or she was sick and you did not do anything to help her, then you and I are gonna have words. Y'all remember that, those of you that were here? And, and, And because people are God's children, right, and when we don't take care of God's children, God says, you and I are going to have words. Romans 14, 12 says, so then every one of us will give an account of himself or herself to God. So if you missed last week, you can go back and check it out. But see, as promisers, we are called to invite, to share, to love people. And we've got to quit being stuck on the wrong side of the fence of our neighbors. We've got to get on the right side of the fence where people are. We've got to, we got to meet people, develop relationships so we can confidently share and invest in people, love people, invite people. We're not going to beat them to death with our Bible. Come on. We're not, going to, you know, we're not going to act like door-to-door salesmen. We are going to love people to the point that we get an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. Amen? Come on. This is New Testament Christianity. Matter of fact, this happened, you ever You ever seen an ambulance at your neighbor's house? Cops roll in, ambulance rolls in. After, after a while, everything that calms down and everything leaves, and you try to find out what happened, only find that your neighbor died of a heart attack and you never knew him. It's happened to many of us. Now I really know what's going on. See, God, you, God put you in your community. You thought you bought that house because it was a great deal. God put you in your community to be the light of Jesus or with your neighbors. Is that right? Is that right? Come on somebody. Y'all didn't like that. Did y'all hear that? That is not even a good golf clap. Let me tell you, when Phil won $9 million yesterday, they clapped harder than that. And so we're stuck on this side of the fence. And can I tell you something? If you're listening, say I am. This is right where the devil desires for you to be. Stuck behind your garage door, hiding behind your locked door, hiding behind your surveillance cameras and your security system, afraid of everything and everybody, and watching your neighbors die and go to hell. Man, let me ask you a question. Think about this. Do your neighbors have your cell phone number in case of an emergency? Could they call you in the middle of the night and say, hey man, I got a man, please come. I need your help. I mean, think about it. One of the tallest fences that we're building today, we believers, that we're standing behind, it's called T-I-M-E, time. See, when we say to ourselves, but pastor, I don't have the time to get to know my neighbors, what we're really mean is I don't consider getting to know my neighbor as important as everything else that I do. I look at two stories, two vignettes, Two two Polaroids out of the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 7 and Luke chapter 10. As we see that Jesus is always on the right side of the fence. Luke chapter 7 verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him, Jesus, to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Jesus receives an invitation from an unneighborly religious Leader of the community who wanted to find out more about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, why did Jesus say yes? Because he's always on the available side of the fence. Does that make sense? But see, here's the problem. When you and I live in the tension between the urgent and the important, when our priorities are determined by the urgent, then what happens is our lives won't match up to our intentions. Do we intend to be good neighbors? Do we intend to be good neighbors? Do we intend to love people like we love ourselves, our neighbors? Okay, but when we live in the urgent, our intentions never manifest because the urgent destroys them. Now, Jesus ministered for three and a half years. Would you say that Jesus got a lot done? Have you? Do, can you point out one event in the life of Jesus where He's in a hurry? I mean, you ever see Jesus checking his iPhone, his you know his Outlook, and making sure he's ready for the next meeting? No, Jesus always had time for conversations, for miracles, for teaching, for loving, for healing. So let me ask you a question: Do what? Do you live at a pace that allows you time to be available? to the people that live around you, to the people that work around you, to the people that know you? Do you have time for interruptions or is your schedule so tight that you blow past needs, you blow past neighbors, you blow past people at work, you blow past people that are hurting and desperate and you'd love to do something but you just can't because you're too cotton-picking busy? What would it take for us to change the pace of our lives, to be more available to those that are around us. What would it take to make a greater margin for ministry like our master Jesus did? Now, men, listen, I'm not, don't, don't think you get out on this. Because see, we think, well, welcome wagon, that's the lady's job. I mean, they'll have tea together, ladies like that kind of stuff. I don't have time for that kind of stuff. Well, what about when your neighbor's over there kicking his lawnmower and saying words that you probably don't say? Often. (laughs) Instead of judging him, how about going and helping him? Matter of fact, how about getting your 64-inch wide cut and go mow his yard for him? How about going over there when he's under his car or when he's in trouble or when he's in a bind? How about being there? See, we guys don't mind getting our hands dirty, do we? A little grease under the nail, getting over and helping a guy cut a tree, helping a guy get his car started, letting him borrow a battery charger, being there. We don't mind that. See, that's the kind of guys that we need to be so that when God opens the door, we're ready to roll right in with the gospel, with an invitation. We're telling them how much Jesus means. John Hartberg said, we don't do that in American church because we have hurry sickness. This is what he said. Hurry sickness is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. He went on to say this. The real hurrying is so dangerous is the reason it's so dangerous that real love and hurry are not compatible because real love takes time and time is the one thing that a hurry, that hurry people don't have any of. Let's go back to Luke chapter seven with Jesus at the Pharisee's house. Now there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, she's a prostitute. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her hair and tears, kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man Jesus were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman who is touching him is, that she is a sinner. Now, in Jesus' day, if there was a dinner party, you didn't have to be invited. You didn't get set at the table, but you could stand around the room and watch people eat and talk. You say, are you kidding me? I know, it's crazy, isn't it? That's what. And she hears that Jesus, she walks right out the front door. Now, again, they're laying down, remember? So they're, they're, they're laying down at the table. Jesus is propped up. He's eating. He's got feet out there. She stops at his feet. They don't even stop the conversation. They keep talking. They got this going on. She's down there crying. Tears falling on Jesus' feet. She's taking her hair. She's wiping his feet. Then she anoints his feet with, oil, with, with this perfume. And the Pharisee says, yeah, he's this guy can't be a prophet. He'd never let a sinner like this touch him. See, the woman comes. She's unwanted and she's uninvited. Why? Because the religious leader was better than her. If he knew that she was a sinner, he wouldn't let her touch him. You know, one of the reasons that we don't love our neighbors is because we think we're better than they are. Come on. It's all right. Confession's good for the soul. We think we're better than them. Why would I spend time with, with, with with those kind of people? They cuss. They fight. Every Friday night, he gets drunk. Their dog craps in my yard. On and on and on we go. Are you with me? Of reasons why we don't too busy, we're too important, they're not good enough, we got a laundry list of why we're gonna stay on the wrong side of the fence. See, Jesus was always, no matter what, willing to come on the right side of the fence. Matter of fact, let me ask you a question. If if you're so much better than your neighbors, then you should love Jesus so much Your life should be such a light that your neighbors ought to want to have the same kind of life you have. Peter said, people are going to ask about the hope that is in you. Be ready to give them an answer with with gentleness and respect. See, people ought to see the difference and want what we have. Are you with me? So he said, acting like we're better than our neighbors, we should be loving on our neighbors. Are you available? Are you caring? Are you accepting? Could your neighbor walk up to you and say, hey, man, you got a minute. I'm not sure what to do. Jesus was always there with a loving hand, with a miracle, with an answer, surrounded by people just like this prostitute at his feet or the Pharisee at the table. You ever notice Jesus, born in a borrowed cradle, lived with borrowed clothes, uh, <clears throat> dressed borrowed clothes, lived in a borrowed house and died and was buried in a borrowed tomb? I'm not saying go sell everything you have and go borrow, but here's the deal. If you're not gonna use your house for Jesus in your neighborhood, what good is it? Your house should be this mission central in your neighborhood. So let me go back there. What are the nicknames that you call your neighbors? Come on, be real. See, the reason that we don't come around the fence is we think we're better than they are. We gotta, we gotta cut these fences down to size. See, being a good neighbor... Means that you know and you love your neighbors. You know and you love them. We step out from behind the fence and begin to build a relationship with people that we don't even know their names yet. that we we build a relationship with those that are around us. We we walk in these relationships with them. And then we we help them find the real love of Jesus. We help we help them see them baptized. We see their kids come with our kids. We see them. Go to promise kids. We see them turn their lives over. You talk about new rivers and new roads. You talk about revival. What if every promiser, all 15, 20,000 of us, every one of our homes was the mission center for our neighborhoods? What would it be like? Every neighbor knew, man, you're the guy. You're the gal. If they come, man, they, they need, man, you're the guy they go to. Wow. Or are we just gonna be content to hide behind the fence and watch Watch families fragment, watch marriages fall into divorce, watch kids end up with drugs and alcohol or worse suicide. And then the ultimate of horror, see families separated from Jesus for an eternity in a Christless hell. Jesus was always focused on those people outside the fence. Let's go to another vignette out of Luke chapter 10. Now as they were traveling along he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister named Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came to the Lord and said, Lord, ladies, come on. We got some Marthas in the house. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Will you tell her to get off her butt and get in here and make the gravy and biscuits? That's the s- Southern version. Tell her to help me. And the Lord said to her, Martha, Martha, get an X. <clears throat> You're worried and bothered about so many things. <laughs> worried and bothered, but only one thing is really necessary. Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Man, so many of us are religious, and we're busy, and we're bothered, and we don't have time, and we're better than them, and we're important, and they're on the wrong side of the fence, and the wrong side of the track, and... And so we just, build, we just build fences. What happens though? This kind of thinking and focus is on the wrong side of the fence from where God wants us to be. Proverbs 20, verse 9 says this Who can say, I've cleansed my heart, I'm pure from sin? How do we all blown it? Listen, why do we look at someone else and say, Well, they did that sin, I'm better than them? Well, you did sins they didn't do. Why why do we judge others and build fences instead of loving people? Aren't you glad that God gave you grace and mercy when you deserve wrath and anger? Aren't you glad you got salvation when you deserved eternal damnation? Aren't you glad God is good? Aren't we supposed to love people, be the love, the hands and feet of Jesus, the light, the salt in our communities? Isn't that what God wants us to do? He said, Martha, Martha, you're distracted. That's where disciples are in the 21st century. We are distracted with our games and our entertainment and our athletics and our yards and our busy and our run, 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 run life. And everybody around us is dying and going to go into hell while we're on the rat track. We're on the, running this rat race. That makes sense. God put you where you are for a reason. And he wants you to get rid of your pride and your fear and your judgmentalism and everything else that's got you on the wrong side of the fence. Because over there is where the devil wants you. And what the Savior wants is is our neighbors. He wants a relationship with the people that we know. So he's put us into contact with them to bring them to him. The goal isn't for us uh, for our neighbors to meet us and change them to look like us. No, no, the goal is for our neighbors to meet Jesus and be changed to look like him. See, we're, we're promisers. We invest in people. We invite people. We love our neighbors. Are you with me? God said, love your neighbor as yourself. Step out behind the fence. Help real people with real problems. Find the real love of God. Are y'all with me? And some of you, man, are started even after last week and you're peering over the fence Man, come on, I want to challenge you. spend an hour this coming week in your neighborhood. Walk around, take, if you're married, take a walk with your wife, go to a common area, go where people are. And man, look at people, don't Look at people, Meet your neighbors. Fill the grid out. Remember that grid? Fill the grid out. And then start praying for your neighbors, for God to open up a door, for you to be able to be there for them, to, man, to be salt and light in their life. Introduce yourself. Come on, find out who they are, what's going on. Step out behind the fence, man, get bold. Ask God for the courage and desire to make and take the next step with those who you live closest to. Does this make sense? Or maybe this weekend, there's a barrier between you and God. And here's the deal, we were all born on the wrong side of the fence. Aren't you glad Jesus left the glory of heaven? Aren't you glad he laid down his glory and he got in here on our side of the fence, loved us, healed us, cared for us, taught us, allowed them to crucify him, pay the penalty for our sins, and on Easter Sunday morning, come out of that grave alive and well. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't get stuck on the wrong side of the fence? So if you're searching for forgiveness, a new start, a new way, I'm telling you, Jesus is the only hope. So at all of our campuses, if you're ready to turn your back on your old life, on your sin, and begin to turn to follow Jesus, he's ready. So with every head bowed, every eye closed at all of our campuses, we're gonna pray this simple confessional prayer together. Pray with us. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. I will follow you. Fill me with your love. Help me be a good neighbor. Help me obey your word. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. come on, isn't it good to be in the house of God? Wow. At all of our campuses, if you just gave your heart to Jesus, pull a communication card out in front of you, online, you can click right there, go to the chat room, somebody's waiting for you. Fill the top part out and then check the circle. I'm making a first-time decision to follow Jesus or I'd like to be baptized. And then if you have not attended our Next Step experience, it is on Saturday night during the 615 service at Pell, every campus at 1130. This weekend, we're gonna take a, we're gonna take a little trip. We're gonna go to Brushy Mountain Penitentiary and we're gonna listen to some voices long in the past. Tell us how to walk out of the cell of selfishness and into a life large that God wants us to walk in. Don't miss it, it's gonna be incredible. And so as we get ready for our our worship through generosity, if you'll put your communication card in, guests, if you'll just drop those in, let that be your offering. You can, and when the service is over, if you'll go through the center doors, those round tables, we have a gift for you. We're thrilled that you're with us. As we get ready to, to give, Again, over $1.5 million, wow, so proud of you. But every week we bring our tithes and offerings. There's a missionary who's from Faith Promise who I can't tell you his name, nor can I tell you where he is because he could easily be killed. But he's ministering, one of the things he's doing, this is a group home for girls where they have to go up in the mountains so they can be educated. Started to rain, it's ice cold, there's no insulation in that building. But because of your generosity, this missionary, this close friend of mine and this congregation is up there providing insulation and love of Jesus. He's in a dark place. Pray for him. It's incredible. Where See, listen, folks. We have to have a sermon to, to love our neighbors. I was, in, I was in Florida at a board of directors meeting with a ministry, the Timothy Initiative. I'm on the board of. I listened to guys. One guy, Church planted India, Radical, radical Hindus. Group of those came in, tied him up, raped his wife, made him watch. Later, that same couple led those men to Jesus and baptized them into their church. See, this this Southern traditional religion that we followed, it's way short of this book. Are y'all with me? Man, listen, this is a radical book for radical people who have been transformed. Are we gonna advance the kingdom of Jesus? Anybody with me? Come on. Man, so as you give, man, you have no one, none of us knows all that God does as we give money around the world. Father, as we get ready to give, many have given all week, we're grateful. God, I pray that you'll bless the gift and the giver. I pray for this missionary, his wife, his children, that you'll keep them safe in that nation where everything he's doing is illegal and he could easily be killed. Lord, I pray you'll protect him. I pray for incredible opportunities to win Muslims to Jesus. I pray you'll move in power. I pray you'll bless this this offering. Use it to change the world is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give the Lord a shout as we get ready to give.